my name is Tellus. I'm the youth pastor here, um, and I'm super excited to be sharing the word with you guys this morning. Um, I think that God has really given me a word uh, to share with you guys, and I hope that we have the faith. It's this 845, so you, I know you guys have the faith. Um, but I hope that we have the faith collectively to see what God's going to share with us this morning um, and to really dive into his word. And so what Dad, well, Pastor Dad, I'm going to keep calling him Dad. You guys know what I mean. What, I, what Pastor Brett keeps, uh, what started a series a couple weeks ago was on men and women in the Bible. Men and women in the Bible. So we've talked a little bit about uh, Noah. I mean about, uh, spoiler alert, we're talking about Noah. We've talked a little bit about Adam, a little bit about Eve. And today we're going to be talking about Noah, which I'm super excited about. And I think that God is really going to speak to us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to jump into Genesis 6. We're going to jump into Genesis 6. We're going to start in verse 5. Genesis 6, verse 5. Then we're going to jump 5 and 6. Then we're going to jump to verse 9. Read a couple verses. And see what God has to share with us. You guys got some faith ready for this morning? Awesome, awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited. It says in Genesis verse, chapter 6, verse 5, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. And if we jump to verse 9, it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all the flesh had corrupted their way onto the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for, all, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher, word, gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. We're going to be talking about Noah today, and before we get into that, um, who, who, who grew up in church? Who was in Sunday school as a kid? Did you guys ever think about how gruesome the stories we were told in Sunday school were? <laughs> Have you guys ever thought about, like, I, I read this story, and I'm like, man, I, like, I know Noah, like, Noah and the flood, Noah and all the animals and his family, and he was saved in the rainbow, and it was so cool. And I remember, we're telling kids this story. And, and how this story starts is that the earth was so bad, and that everybody was so evil, that God said, I don't even want anyone on the earth anymore. I'm going to, I'm, I'm mass extinction here. That's what God is saying. And, but I'm going to save one for, or, or, or we go to um, Jonah and the whale, right? Like God was so upset with the city. The city was sinning against God so much, Nineveh, that he said, Jonah, if you don't go, I'm going to destroy the whole city. And then Jonah's like, you know what? That sounds like a good plan, but I'm not going to do it. And then he goes the other way, and then he gets in the belly of a fish, and then he almost destroys the whole ship because of his disobedience. And then he gets sent back to the city and then saves it, right? Or we go to, like, David and Goliath, where it's like, oh, man, David was a really nice shepherd, and, and David was really cool, and he sang songs. And when he did the, played the harp, and he was like a king, and he loved God in a field when he was alone, but he also murdered a guy. Like, he killed Goliath, right? And I think about, like, all the stories that we tell at Kids Church, and I'm like, who, who? Who is the producer of all of these kids' church stories that we were telling? Like, why didn't we go with, like, love is patient and love is kind? Like, why didn't we just go with, like, the really cute epistles and, and really nice stories instead of, like, these gruesome? Do you know what I'm talking about? Anyway, that's where I was at. And I was like, why are we going with all these aggressive stories, kids' church? 
But nevertheless, that's where we're at. I want to talk to you guys about a few things uh, concerning Noah, a few things concerning Noah. The four things I want to talk about are Noah's walk, Noah's work, Noah's waiting, and Noah's worship. Noah's walk, Noah's work, Noah's waiting, and Noah's worship. Will you pray with me for a second? God, we love you so much, but more importantly, you love us. God, we're asking for your spirit to be here with us this morning. God, that my words would fall short and that your words would land. God, that we would just bring you a really ordinary time and that you would make it extraordinary. God, that we would bring you water and you would make it wine. We're asking for your spirit to be here in this place, God, that you would do something that I can't, you would do something that we can't, and you would make us more like you. Jesus, we need you. We love you so much. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So I went to college at VCU, and what I did is I studied, and some of you are like, aren't you still in college? No. I went to college at VCU, and what I did is I studied uh, acting, theater. That's what I loved, and and. That was my passion growing up, right? Like, I played sports all growing up, and all of a sudden, I got into acting, got into theater. And so I went to school. I went to VCU, best school in the nation. And when I went there, it was pretty much, I don't know why you're laughing. It was pretty much like um, I would go, and all my classes were exactly what you would expect, right? They were super artistic, super artsy. I was surrounded by arts kids all the time, and I loved it. Like, that was my dream. That was my passion. So I go into this school, and after a couple years of being trained at this school, um, I, I ended up going on some auditions, ended up trying to get some roles in some different shows and some different movies. And after my training, after a few years of being at this school, in this art school, um, I went on this audition like my junior, senior year. And I remember this guy, after I auditioned, he didn't know who I was. I just like went in, really still, he went in. He was a stoic guy. And I did my audition and I told my whole monologue and my whole story. And I come sit down. He actually has a conversation with me. And he comes up to me and he's like, you went to VCU, didn't you? And I was like, uh, Yes, sir. Yeah, I did. Why? Like, why? And he was like, I knew it. I knew you went to VCU. And I was like, why? How, did you, how did you know I went to VCU? Like, what, what does that mean? And he said, you look, you act like you went to VCU. And at first, I was a little offended. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> I was, but he was like, no, no, no. Like, people from VCU act a certain way. People from VCU tell stories. And I was like, okay. I was like, cool, cool. He was like, yeah, I can tell who you've been taught by. And he started naming my teachers. He started naming the people I've been around, the facilities. And, and showing. he was like, yeah, I can tell who you were taught by, by the way that you acted. I think it's really interesting that one of the first things we learn about Noah is that he was blameless in God's sight and that he walked with God. What are you known for? Who, who, who are you taught by? Where do you get your identity from? Because one of the first things we find out about Noah in this story, at least, is that Noah was what, blameless, righteous, and that he walked with God. For me, I walked into a simple, silly audition one day, and from my one audition, from my one monologue, this one director saw and said, oh, I know who you were taught by. I know who you were walking with. And I think it's interesting that that's one of the first things that the Bible points out about Noah is that he was blameless, righteous, and that he walked with God. 
He was blameless, he was righteous, and he walked with God. And, and I think it's really interesting because we get this story of Noah and the ark, and we know the story that the earth was really, really bad, and Noah was really, really good, and then God was like, man, aren't really the earth is kind of like messed up, and I kind of want to fix it, and the best way I can fix it is I can destroy the earth. And so, oh, Noah, you're going to make this ark or this giant boat, and then you're going to build it for a bunch of years, way longer than you think you're going to need to build it for. And when you build it, then the rains are going to come for like the first time, and everyone's going to freak out, and then the boat's going to rise up, and you're going to be in the boat, and your family's going to be saved, and all these animals are going to be saved and then everyone else is going to be gone and you're going to come out the boat and it's going to be great. And I think a lot of us see that story and we're like, man, it's so cool that Noah was used by God in that way. Like it was so awesome that Noah had the opportunity to be used by God. But I think it's really interesting that Noah's obedience came before his opportunity. That before Noah even got the option to be used by God, Noah first was obedient to God. That he wasn't waiting for the opportunity to be obedient, but he was just being obedient. Why? I think because he was walking with God. I think that he had a teacher. I think that he had a relationship with somebody that went beyond just what he could get from him. That Noah walked with God. I think that, or we see that Noah was actually known for righteousness when everyone else was known for their rebellion. And, and some of us might kind of feel like we're maybe in that age right now. You may say at work or... Or, or where you go to school or, or in your community, like, man, everyone around me is just full of rebellion. Everyone around me is just seems like it's so rebellious everywhere I go. And my question is, are we willing to be the type of people who are still righteous in the midst of rebellion? When everyone else, it, it says in the word that the thought of man continually was evil. Every thought. There, there wasn't any really redeeming qualities about anybody except for Noah. And, and we sometimes feel like we're maybe in that same position. We're like, man, there are no Christians around me. There are no Christians in this area, man. No one's loving Jesus. No one's following. It's so hard to find a community. It's so hard to do this. And that very well may be true. But also that obviously doesn't give us an excuse if we look at the story of Noah. That it could be true that no one around you is following Jesus. But that does not give us a free pass to not follow Jesus. That Noah had a really good and probably really, really reasonable opportunity to not follow Jesus because everybody else wasn't. But he chose righteousness over rebellion. But he chose to walk with God instead of walking with the world. In a generation where everyone was walking away from God, Noah was walking with God. When we go through the story and as for the few minutes that we share, I want us to think about Noah. Think about the great man that he was and the great things that he did and the great way that God used him. But I also want to think about where do, well, where, where do I fit in this? Where, where do I fit in this story? Because remember that the Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. So that means that it might not be addressed, Stacy, Jeff, Jim, AJ, but it was written for you. That this is written about Noah for sure, but it was written for us. Noah was walking with God in a generation that was walking away from him. And, and Noah had, I think, every opportunity not to follow Jesus because everything around him was telling him to do so. But just because there's a lot of increasing corruption around us doesn't mean it should decrease the character within us. Just because there's a lot of increasing corruption around you does not mean that it should decrease any of the character within you. The, the thing that, that I sometimes tell the students is, is that 
God is calling us to be, and let me make sure I get this right because I always know that. God is calling us to be a thermometer and not a thermostat. Is that the right one? Which one makes the temperature? That's right. Okay. I always get it wrong. You know what? You ever have that thing where you always say the wrong thing, but you want to say it with oomph, so you just say it confidently? That's what I just did. So what I, so, what do I mean by that? I mean that it's really, really easy to tell the temperature. It's really, really easy to say what's going on in your atmosphere, right? To say what's going on at your job and to say what's going on and to criticize your school and to criticize where no one's a Christian and how everyone's falling away and that it's so difficult and poor me, poor me. But it's really, really difficult to set the temperature. But I don't think that we're called to just tell the temperature. I think we're called to set the temperature. I think it's really easy to go into a situation and say, oh, this is bad. Everyone's a sinner. You need to be saved. Okay, that's really easy. But is it your heart to go and change the situation? When your family is the one where the temperature is really off, are you the one who's setting the temperature? When in your place of work that you go to every day, in your, in your, in your, in, in, in your communities, in your homes, on the baseball team, wherever you're at, at the grocery store, wherever you're going, are you going to be the one to just tell the temperature or are you going to be the one to set the temperature? I think that the increase in corruption around us should never decrease the character within us. What are we known for? Noah was known for walking with God. And some of us, I think, claim the Savior but never claim the Lord. Some of us claim the Savior in Jesus, but we don't really claim the Lord Jesus. And, and like in Christianese, that's kind of what we say. It was like, Jesus, my Lord and Savior. But some of us only get that second part. Where it's like, yes, I'm in church or I'm here or I want to do good things or I want to follow Jesus so I don't go to hell, so I can go to heaven, so that I have this assurance. But there's also a second part of that where sometimes we have this, this, this new age Christianity where we can just be saved and not really follow Jesus. Where we can just come to church and receive and receive and receive and then we can never give, give, give. That we can always consume, but we can never contribute. And I think that God is calling us to do something that's a little countercultural to what we've been taught. That's not to just go and receive what we can and just leave feeling a little bit better coming, going out of church. But I think that God is calling us not to just have him as Savior, but also have him as Lord. I think that Noah knew that. And that's why I think that Noah walked with God even when... He didn't have the blessing yet. Even when he didn't have the opportunity yet. No one knew what it meant to walk with God. And, and why do I think that some of us are actually just claiming Jesus as Savior and not as Lord? Is because that some of us look no different than what the world looks like. Some of us are in this building and will leave this building and look completely similar to the world. And, and, and I just want to let you know, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible calls us to be what strangers and aliens in the world and not of the world. That we're supposed to look a lot different than what the world looks like. 
But sometimes that gets really uncomfortable for us. And we're like, well, I don't want to push my Christianity on somebody else. I don't want to like share my, like, it just makes uncomfortable. Like, I'm not going to talk about politics or religion or no. Like, I'm just going to leave that there. And you do you and I'll do me. You have your truth. I'll have my truth. But I seem to recall that in John 14, 6, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Not a way, a truth, a life. So when we get to this place of not wanting to share our faith or not wanting to make it public, I think we really need to remember one thing, which is that we can't just have Jesus as Savior and not as Lord. And that's a really tempting thought when we get into a place like this and, and when we leave a place like this to just have Jesus, just have God, just have religion in our back pocket in case of emergencies. But I don't think that's the way that God wants us to treat him. Actually, in fact, I know that's not the way God wants us to treat him. Because God didn't treat you like that. How many of us are thankful that God didn't treat us like that? That God wasn't just using us when it was convenient, just just dying for us when it was convenient, just leaving heaven and coming to earth when it was convenient. There was nothing about Jesus' life that was convenient, but a lot of what we do is we make our Christianity convenient. And I think that God is so merciful, so gracious that he loves us anyway, but man, I don't want to be the people in this story that grieve God's heart. It's really easy to walk with God when you're on the mountain, but I think it's really hard in the valley. And actually, I'll even say it the other way too. I think sometimes it can be easy in the valley and hard on the mountain. Why? Why? Because... When, when, when life is going good, you know, like when, when you got the raise, when your kids aren't freaking out and when everybody's in church and when the bills are paid and when the dog isn't pooping on the carpet and when your kids are scoring touchdowns and hitting home runs, like when all that stuff is good, we don't like, as much as we don't want to say, we're like, hey, well, like my life's going all right. Like I don't really need to go to church every week. <laughs> I don't need to tithe every week. Why? Because we, we, we sometimes I think in human nature think that I don't really need God in this season. Like, in this season, I kind of got it. I, I'm, I'm kind of good right now. Like I, but then when the valley hits, when the dog is pooping on the carpet, when your kids are just striking out every week in sports and in life, when you're just trying to figure out how to make ends meet and you've been praying and praying, it's really easy to go to God when you're in a valley and maybe even sometimes harder to go to God when you're on the mountain. What, what, what are valley and mountain? When, when life's really, really good and when life's really, really bad. I think that Noah walked with God in both. I don't think my Bible at least doesn't say that Noah walked with God when it was hard. Or Noah walked with God when it was easy. It said Noah walked with God. Are we the type of people who are just walking with God? There's um, something I noticed about this story is, is that... Noah's faithful revelation came after his faithful response. So Noah was responding to God faithfully way before he got the word from God to go build the ark. Notice it didn't say that Noah built the ark and then Noah walked with God. And it didn't say that Noah was told by God to build the ark and then Noah walked with God. It said that Noah walked with God Noah, God saw Noah, and then God told Noah. Some of us are really looking for God to tell me, and then I'll do it. 
God, tell me, give me the blessing, give me that confirmation. God, give me a little safety net so I can take the step and not be scared that I'm going to fall off and then I'm going to do it. But walking with God, how many of you guys know it's, it's a walk of what? Faith. And guess what? In my Bible says, Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the substance of things. Faith is not, uh, uh, help me out. Faith, uh, you know, when you, man, that's the worst when I can't quote a scripture. You know what I'm talking about? It's the worst. Faith is the <laughs> substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, I knew. I was thinking if you knew it. Faith is the <laughs> Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what do I mean? Why am I bringing that up? That some of us are waiting for God to do it, and then we'll step out. But faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I, I don't see it yet, but I have faith for it. So I'm going to step out knowing that God's going to catch me before I even know he's right. Some of us are really waiting and doing this whole faith thing backwards. We're waiting for God to put something here, a safety net, and say, God, just make sure. If I take this step, if I start giving money, if I start giving my kids to you and I stop worrying, if I start going to church all the time, if I start sharing my faith, if I start going all in with you, if I do that, what's going to be the repercussions? What's going to be on the other side of that? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What if, what if, what if? And we're so scared to take that next step because we can't see it yet. Noah was walking with God before he ever got the revelation from God. Noah's walk with God, I don't think, was conditional on his blessing from God. Noah didn't need motivation from a blessing to be obedient. So Noah just walked with God. He was counted as righteous and blameless before God. I think that Noah is somebody that when we look at his story in a, in, a, in a generation that was in the middle of walking away from God, he was someone who was walking towards God. Do you guys ever made a deal with God? <laughs> Like, well, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise your hand for us. Ever made a deal with God that's like, God, if you, then I'll, right? Like, <laughs> like it, it, when I think about it, I think it's really, really funny because usually in order to make a deal with somebody, you need something, you have something that they need, right? <laughs> you would know where I'm going with this. What do we have <laughs> that God needs, <laughs> Right? Like, like, we want to make these, and we maybe don't say it out loud because we're good Christians. This is 845. We don't say it out loud. <laughs> but in our hearts, we're like, man, God, if you would just do this, then, you know, God, well, I, would, I would bless you so much with my money. And, like, we whisper it in our hearts. That's like, I hope this isn't mean to God. Like, God, if you would just, if, if, if this would just go right, we don't say it, but we think if this would just go right, then, yeah, God, I, I, would, I would stop worrying if you did this. Once you, God, once, once you fix my finances, that's when I would stop worrying about my finances. And God, once you fixed my kids, that's when I would stop worrying about my kids. God, and, and once, once you fixed me, that's when I would start going to church because I can't go to church messed up. And the thing about making deals with somebody is that you need to have something that they need. God doesn't need our money. <laughs> 
God doesn't need anything that we can provide him. We can't make a deal with a God who has never known need. But a lot of us try and coerce God into fulfilling our blessings because we're really, really desperate. And I think that that's countercultural to what God wanted us to do. That Noah walked with God before he ever got the revelation from God. And the crazy thing about us making deals with God is that sometimes God even makes deals with us. Sometimes God's like, you know what, I'm just so gracious. You're so cute. That's so adorable. Uh, Okay, we'll just go there. (laughs) We'll do it. And the beautiful thing about God is that he engaged in a deal with us when there was nothing in it for him. And we don't have time to unpack that whole thing, but just know that God engaged in a deal with you when there was nothing in it for him. That God chose you when there weren't really any redeeming qualities about you, about me, about us. And he still died for us. Noah was known as a herald of righteousness. Walking with God when everyone else was walking away. And number two is Noah worked. Noah was working. The word ark comes from this word arkire. I think I'm saying that right. And what, it, what that word means in Latin, it means something that offers safety to hold off or to defend. Something that offers safety to hold off or to defend. And when I, when I think of like um, Noah and, and his generation and what he's doing, I think about like some of us take it really, really personal and take it really, really difficult to, to be a Christian in this place. And, and we feel like it's not really that easy and it's not conducive to our faith and we can't really do it. And, and every time I think about that, I always think about Noah because there was literally nobody there who was following God on earth. That's a fact. It was in the Bible. Nobody. And, and, and we see Noah building this thing for God. In the midst of probably, realistically, probably everybody walking by him, building this ark for years and years and years. And then people probably walking by and be like, what is this joker doing? (laughs) Like, are you building a boat? For what? Like, oh, you heard from God. He hears from God. (laughs) Oh, oh, you're, bro, come on, let's just go out. Like, let's just go. Like, I know this is the time that you spend with God, but let's just like, he'll be there when you get back. Let's just go over here. I know, I know that you're like this Christian. I know that you follow God, but like he'll forgive you. His grace is sufficient, right? So let's just, I can only imagine the type of insecurity and, and persecution that Noah was going through in this time where he was literally the only person following God and still he worked for God and still he worked for God. I think it would have been really, really enticing in that moment, for him to look at his generation, for him to look at his culture and say, man, well, everyone else is doing it. Well, I mean, looks like they're having probably a lot more fun than I am. God, are you even there? Like, this doesn't seem like it's the way that life should go. I bet it was really, really enticing for Noah to stop following God in that time. But what did he do? He actually, he worked for him. He worked for him. It's easy and maybe even tempting for us to buy the version of Christianity that allows us to believe and not to behave. 
that gives us a free pass to say, yeah, I can go to church and I can believe and I can pray the prayer and I can do all the good things and the Christian things and make my grandma happy. But I don't need to do all that extra stuff, all that like self-sacrificing, like going to the cross and like giving up what I want for what God wants and, and, and thinking about others above myself. Like I don't need to go all that far. Like I, I can still believe, but I don't really need to do all that other behavior stuff. That, that's, that's the version of American Christianity that we have right now, that it's really, really, to be honest, sometimes easy, not very, it doesn't cost us that much to be a Christian where we're at. And so we buy this Christianity that, that allows us to really believe and to not behave. We want the perks with none of the commitment. We, we, you, you guys ever had like a, like a free trial on like, uh, like any subscription, like Netflix or Apple Music or something like that? Like you have a free trial. And I remember I had a free trial going on and like, yeah. okay, so you know you get the free trial and you get like the first free, like month free and then after that like automatically pays for that. I remember I was going in, I like I did Apple Music for free and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna like sneak and I'm gonna de- like delete it as soon as like the month runs up, right? And so I like try and get all the perks of Apple Music and then all of a sudden when I'm doing this, like I totally forget. Right? You ever done that? Like you subscribe and then you totally, and you even set a reminder, but then like your phone just doesn't remind you. And then you're like, yo, I really want to like unsubscribe to this thing because I don't want to pay for this and I want to pay for that. And, and, and I remember in college, me and my friends had this app and uh, there's this place called China Dragon. This is the best Chinese food ever. And so we had this place called China Dragon that we go to like probably like every day, realistically. We went there all the time. And there's this app that you had that if you could do, uh, uh, if you like signed up, they would prepare the food ahead of you, right? And so we figured out like a loophole. So what we did is we created that. And you guys have probably done this. If you, if you have, just relate with me. You would create an email. And then you would sign up, and the new email got things for perks, and you could invite somebody and get extra treats, right? So what we did is we kept creating new emails and inviting each other, so we would just kept getting free food. And so we just had, like, free food for weeks because every time one email's perk ran out, we just created a new email and a new email and a new email. And all of a sudden, we had General's chicken for days, and we were eating like kings. And then all of a sudden, they, I really, we made them change the app because all of a sudden, you didn't get perks anymore when you signed up. I really think we made them change the app because we got so much free Chinese food. <laughs> and you're saying, what does that have to do with Noah, Pastor? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> I love Chinese food. I think some of us treat God like a free trial. That we go to God and we get the perks. We get the free trial. We, and we try to unsubscribe before it costs us anything. <laughs> you know? And we say, I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to get everything he has to offer me. I'm going to get the free food. I'm going to get the T-shirt. I'm going to get what you can give me. But as soon as I have to pay for something, oh, hey, 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 hey. As soon as this Christianity costs me something, hey, hey, hey. As soon as I start getting looked at different from my friends because I don't go to the same places they go to, hey, hey, hey. As soon as I start getting weird looks because I don't spend my money just flippantly wherever I want to go, hey, hey, hey. Some of us really treat God like a free trial, using him as long as it's free, getting all the perks, but never wanting it to cost us anything. This life that Noah lived cost him everything. He was building an ark for, people live way longer, but he was building an ark for 100 years. Years of this guy being criticized by everyone he knew, people walking around him and seeing like, man, these guys still building the ark? We're like, for What? Like, this joint's big. Why? I can only imagine the persecution that Noah was going through. 
And you might not be building an ark, but you are building something. You might not be building a big boat to literally save lives from water, but you are building something. Who are you building for? Maybe the reason that some of our building projects aren't being blessed is because we're building for ourselves. Maybe the reason that some of the work of our hands aren't really being blessed or experiencing the fruit that we think they should is because we're building for ourselves. Noah knew that he was building for God. It says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it as if you're working for God and not for who? Man. He says, whatever you do, work at it as if you're working for God and not working for man. Because I'm going to tell you guys this. Man is a really bad motivation compared to God. Man's motivation is nothing compared to God's motivation. Working for man is nothing compared to working for God. In fact, working for man will actually hurt you. And working for God will actually help you. Noah's work was affecting more than just him. It was affecting his family. And and the interesting thing about this is that when I read this story about Noah, it's interesting because Noah didn't, it, it didn't say that Noah's family was righteous or Noah's family was walking with God, which I thought was really interesting. But it did say that Noah could bring his family on the boat. I think that your answer Your response, your attitude, and your walk with God affects way more than just you. What if your yes for God actually meant your family's yes to God? And what if, come on, your no for God actually meant... It didn't say that Noah's family was righteous. And I'm not saying that they weren't. I'm just saying the Bible doesn't say it. I think it's interesting that Noah got to bring others with him because of his walk. You might not think that your walk really is that consequential, does that much, but I think that your walk affects way more than just you. Number three, waiting. Talked about his walk, talked about his work. And one of the probably hardest things for Noah to do was wait, was wait for God. Because the interesting thing is that Noah's hope in the ark came from Noah's hearing before the ark. So while Noah was in the ark, he had hope because of what was done before the ark. Before his, his, his purpose, before the thing that he was working out, before his, his task, he had hope in that because he was hearing God before that. He had something to hold on to in the midst of his building project. Hoping in yourself can't satisfy like hoping in God can. And there's only a certain amount of trust that can happen through through religion. The other has to happen through relationship. If we only trust in traditions and customs and buildings and structures and religion, then we're always going to be let down. But if we're trusting in a relationship with a loving father who sacrificed way more than we'll ever know to attain us, I think that's a way better form of motivation and trust. 
that Noah waited. It's crazy because Noah, when he built the ark, he was building the ark for 120 years. Crazy. He was, and then as soon as the ark was finished, it's funny because when the ark was finished, God was like, get in the ark. He got in the ark. And then for seven days, it didn't rain. Can you imagine what those seven days were like? Like with his family, where he was like, he's like, all right, y'all, I did this. And they're like, whoa, we did it. Throwing a party, like, throwing, like you know, champagne on a ship. And they throw it like, Psh! and they're like, whoa, we're going to go. It's going to be great. And they're sitting in the boat for seven days. And I bet you, like, on the second day, Noah's like, hey, bro, we're good. We're good. And his family's like, bro, is this, was, it, was he crazy the whole time? <laughs> and, like, by the fourth day, <laughs> Noah's like, hey, man, we're good. Like, God's good. We got this. And they're like, bro, I think he's crazy. And then by the sixth day, everyone's like, yo, I'm about to get out this boat, bro. If this rain doesn't start, I'm going to get out the boat. And then the rain starts. And then it starts raining. And then for 40 days, it keeps raining. And then after 40 days, it stops raining. And then Noah's in the boat for hundreds of days after that, waiting for the water to subside. And I think Noah's wait was one of the craziest things that he went through. Because you see time and time again that after every confirmation, there was a test. After every confirmation for Noah, there was a test for Noah. So he had the word from God to build the ark. He built the ark amongst all this criticism. He built something for God to save people. And then all of a sudden, he gets in the ark, and then he's like, all right, we're ready. And then he has to wait for the rain. And in the middle of the waiting for the rain, he must have been thinking back to the building of the ark. I think that your testimony of last season can help you in this season. Because when Noah was in that boat for seven days, I'm sure he looked back and said, no, I heard from God. And then when it started raining, he said, I knew it. And then when it started raining and everyone was like, yo, how long is this rain going to keep up? He in day 26, day 30, day 32, day 36. I'm sure he's like, no, I know that I was waiting for seven days. And then God brought it. So I'm going to wait for these 40 days. And then it stopped raining. And the thing that he was waiting for, then he was waiting for it to stop. And then he was like, you know what? It stopped raining. And everyone's like, whoa, it stopped raining. And then all of a sudden the water was still on the earth. And he's like, man, you know what? It's going crazy. Hundreds of days passed. And I'm sure in that season of waiting, he had to look back to his past season of waiting and said, I knew it was raining for 40 days. And in the middle of the 40 days, I was waiting for it to stop. But God was faithful then, so he's faithful now. And then the water subsided. And then he sends out a raven. And then he's like, man, this raven needs to come back. The raven doesn't come back. And I'm sure he's like, you know what? God was faithful to stop the rain. He's going to be faithful to bring back the bird. So he sent out another bird. And then he was like, God, you need to bring that back this bird. I know the raven didn't come back, but I know the dove's going to come back. And then the dove comes back. And then he has to wait longer for the water to actually fall, and then he gets out of the ark. I think that Noah's testimony in his last season got through, got him through his next season. In the middle of what he was in, he could look back to where he was and say, I know God was faithful. <laughs> Noah's waiting. And then lastly, because I always go long, is, is Noah's worship. Is Noah's worship. And, I, and one of these, it, this is probably one of the hardest, um, not hardest, I think it's one of the most interesting maybe things to talk about because I think this is one of the most difficult things for me to grasp that Noah did. And if we go, 
I think we have it on the screen, but I think it's, uh, where was it, in Genesis. We'll go to chapter 8, verse 20 through 22. Do we have it on the screen? If we don't, that's fine. Um, but in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20 through 22, it says the craziest thing, and I promise I'm closing right now. Just chapter 8, verse 20 through 22, it says this. Then Noah... This after they got out. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from its youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. Why do I think that this is one of the craziest things? It's because if you picture this scene right here, that Noah's been on this boat for so long. And then all of a sudden he gets out of this boat and he starts to worship God. We can be like, man, that's so cool. He, that's so great. But if I was Noah, I wouldn't have been, I don't, I, to be honest, I don't know if I would have been worshiping God once I saw all the dead bodies. I don't know if I could have worshiped God when I saw everything that I've ever known destroyed. Because Noah and his family were the only people left. And, 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 and I, would, I would probably say, yeah, I would be grateful to God. But I don't know if in that moment I would be able to worship God. God, you just, I mean, thank you for saving me and my family. But like, what about everyone else? And some of us might be thinking in this room right now, why did God let so many people die? Like, like, how can a loving God pronounce such harsh judgment on people? And my response to that would always be, well, how can a perfect and holy God pronounce such radical mercy on people? Because if... If we think that God is evil for doing this, we're assuming that we are good. And, and the thing that no one knew that I am still trying to figure out is that no one is good but God. And God was, God was allowing an imperfect, unholy, sinful, criminal group of people to live with a holy, perfect, and loving God. As I close, and if Darian's in here, if Stephen's in here, it'll be awesome to help me close. I've realized that my actions towards God in my life with God has always been in constant mercy. That no matter where I'm at in my life, that my life has always been in constant mercy. When I look at who God is and who I am and how holy he is and how imperfect I am, my first response is never to say, God, why didn't you give me more? And our first response should never to be, God, why didn't you do this? It should always be, God, how could you save someone like me? I, I, I can look at all this stuff in the world and I can see such a broken person inside myself and I can say, God, 
you didn't just spare me, but you died for me. You, you, you didn't just allow me to live, but you gave me an abundant life. And for me to assume that I deserved this life from God is to completely disregard who he is and who I am, which is a criminal and a sinner. And who he is is a perfect, holy, and loving God who had no benefit in saving me, except for that he wanted to, and except for that he loved me. And that no matter how good or how hard I try, my good works and good deeds and good walk will never be worth the sacrifice that he made for me. That my good intentions and my good heart and my good vibes that I want to show will never be good enough. And the only way that I would ever be good enough is if he made me good enough. And he made me good enough by dying for me when I wasn't good enough. And because he was good enough, now he sees me as good enough. I never want to look at God and say, how dare you? I can only look at God and say, thank you. And I worship you. Will you pray with me? God, we love you so much. Jesus, but more importantly, you love us. <laughs> Jesus, you love us. God, that we were never good enough. We would never be and never could be good enough. God, but let us have a good perspective like Noah did to see you as you are, to walk with you, to work for you, to wait for you, and to worship you. 